Are we recording? Okay. Today is February 5th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 22, starting at You May Already, up to and including page, I mean, page 20, You May Already, up to and including page 22. This is by no means. AJ will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Audrey. AJ? Hi, this is AJ, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. Doubtless, you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I could take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He, should, he could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl, I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They could take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally, it may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome. I may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker, he may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Chekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated, he is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. But in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, 
and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself, and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to the doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. Thank you. Thanks, AJ. And now I am excited to introduce Audrey. She will share 20 minutes on what was just read. Uh, please welcome Audrey. Thanks very much, Karen, and thanks everybody for your service and the opportunity to be able to be of service myself. Um, just to briefly qualify, um, my name is Audrey Ann and I'm from County Mead in Ireland and I am currently um, 100 pounder, 150 pound weight loss, um, maintaining um, spiritual sobriety one day at a time. And I am just so grateful that I found a solution. Um, I have got up to 400 pounds and I've ate my way through my 40s up till I was, came back into the room two years ago. Um, I don't know anything about when I started to use food, but I do know that I doubled my weight when I made my first Holy Communion and my dress had to be let out. Um, and I've done all the pain ways and I've tried every manageable remedy that you could think of and nothing worked until I came into these rooms and found a solution and found that all through those years I was powerless and I needed to find a power greater than me that was going to help me get through um, each day. Um, and for today, I don't no longer need to hurt myself with food. I don't have to numb myself out with food. I can face whatever it is um, all hand in hand with a power greater than me. Um, so I just go on to, to the share. And I know when people share and read parts of the book and no matter how many times I read, I was still taking notes as that was being read out, you know, um, it does be like the first time I've heard it. Um, and just if, you know, if I have to go back to page 20, you know, um, we started off, you may already ask yourself, what is it that all of us became so very ill, you know? And I don't know how I came ill. I just know that I, when I have a craving, when I eat certain foods. So when I take in certain foods, my body reacts differently than everybody else. Um, and I found that these foods gave me ease and comfort so that when things weren't going very good, and I was nervous or, you know, feeling sad. Even when I was feeling happy, there was times that I was using food just to numb out. Um, and, you know, it says here, you know, what do I have to do? You know, and that was a question that my sponsor stopped 
reading at the book and she asked me what is it you know and this book is what actually tells me you know the purpose of this book is to help me find a power greater than myself so that I can manage um that I can solve the problem and the problem for me is build up of human emotions you know it's life it's just basic life you know um so what we should tell you what we've done you know and before we detail the summary, you know, I can tell you, it says here, why don't you, you know, why don't you eat like a lady? You know, why don't you stay off those certain foods? Why don't you just eat at parties? You know, why don't you just eat when it's an occasion? Um, you know, you think she'd stop. She's two children. She parents alone. You know, God, she's a lovely smile. If she could only just lose the weight, you know, all of these things. These things weren't said to me as an adult. I remember hearing these things when I was only a child. Um, you know, and God, she's able to go to work and she's able to have buy a home and she bought a car, you know, you know, just mustn't have the willpower, you know, and it says there, you know, that the doctor told me that if I, you know, if he drank again and the doctor told me, you know, when he was putting me on the highest blood pressure and having to add on an extra blood pressure tablet, you know, that my weight, you know, it was going to be a stroke or a heart attack. Um, but there I was all lit up again. You know, as I drove out the doctors with that fear and the pain of having to be told that, you know, what did I do? I went and I, yeah, it didn't stop me. So the, the commonplace observations, you know, when it says there, you know, the react, we react different to other people, you know, we're very different. Their reactions are different to ours, you know, and it tells me on the page XXX in the doctor's opinion, you know, um, that I, you know, I'm one of those that when I take certain foods, I develop a phenomenon of craving. So that's the difference with me. Um, you know, moderate drinkers can give it up. You know, it goes through all of that, you know, for the different reasons that you could give it up, fall in love, change your environment. I changed the environment. I moved to America, moved back, moved back to where I, I grew up, then moved out of that county. You know, I've tried all of that stuff there. You know, but the thing is, I am. But what about the real alcoholic? What about the real compulsive over here? That nothing else is going to happen. You know, change of environment, you know, finding a husband, getting the new job. You know, I have arrived, all of that stuff, just like Bill. You know, nothing could solve this problem. The stage of drinking, you know, we lose control. The liquor consumption once I start, you know. So once I start eating those foods, there's no stopping. You know, that's me. It didn't matter didn't matter age it didn't matter what size I got it didn't matter you know um and I'm sure I puzzled people you know I'm sure they could see you know that I was functioning functioning in the eye of other people you know I was going out in the morning I was dropping my children to school I was going to work you know um but I was the real Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyatt you know when I was numbed out from that field I was not the same person that I am when I'm in recovery you know I'm resentful, I'm agitated, I'm very snappy, um, I'm very opinionated, you know, and I want everybody else to conform to what I believe. And if they don't, that's where my resentments build up. Um, seldom mildly intoxicated, always are less insanely drunk. I was numbed out, it was, you know, unless I was on a paying way. And if I'm on a paying way, I'm not numbed out by the field, but by God, I'm like a serpent out of hell because I am trying to eat, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy, but I have nothing to help me, 
you know, I've nothing to support, you know, I've nothing to give me ease and comfort. So I'm sitting in that pain way for the 10th time. And I go back up and she says, do you want to keep your old weight from the last time? And I'm like, no, what if I was lighter than I am now? How am I going to deal with that shame? So no, we'll start afresh. And I'd sit there and I'd nod my head and I was like, get me out of here with my boxes of bars so I could eat them on the way home. The other line that I love here, you know, and I, 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 when I first came into the rooms, I was kind of thinking, is there any way that I have, um, you know, identification dangerously antisocial, you know, and how I came dangerously antisocial was, you know, I didn't turn up to anything. So my friends have all had hens parties. They've had christenings. They've had birthdays. And I would have used any excuse not to go. So while I was single, a single parent, um, my children have a father who co-parents with me now, but I didn't let him co-parent with me when I was in disease because I wanted to be the martyr. I wanted people to think I was the best man and I was doing it all alone. So that antisocial, I withdrew from life, you know, and I withdrew very slowly to the point that when I moved to another county, I didn't see anybody because I didn't need to see them. They didn't need to see the weight I put on. They didn't need to see that my eyes were dead, you know, so that antisocial for me was how I just literally stayed out of life. Um, and it says well-balanced, you know, I don't know what that well-balanced really was. I don't know whether I ever was, you know, I was the type that the bills would come in and I wouldn't I open them. Don't open a bill. You know, you might have to pay it. You might have to be an adult, you know, um, and I regret that. I regret, you know, not looking after my financial um. But it tells us, you know, this book keeps tells us, you know, it's the dishonesty and the selfishness, you know, um, promising career ahead of me. You know, I went to college, I have a degree, I have two degrees, you know, um, I, I bought a house when I was in my 20s. I owned a car, you know, all of that stuff. But that did not matter. You know, it did not matter because I have this disease. Um, and it says, you know, pull the structure down, senseless sprays. Um, and I, what always comes to mind there is, you know, being on a paying way and being asked to be chief bridesmaid for a friend, you know, and really wanting to get into the dress, really wanting to be like everybody else um, and just white knuckling that diet. And something happened coming up to it. And I remember getting the fear, the fear of having to stand up and say a prayer, the fear of having to be in the church, everybody's eyes on me. And I picked up. And that was it. And that dress was no longer going to fit me the way that I wanted it to fit. And I just pulled the scaffolding down, anything that I tried to have. Um, enough food, you know, I'd have the, enough food around the house, you know, hid. And my kids would say, I thought there was such and such there. And I'd say, he's must have had it, you know, because um, if I hadn't got time to go out and replace it, you know. Um, and there was a lot of regret. There was a lot of shame, you know. But when I look at this, um, this chapter and it explains to me you know there is a solution that's the main thing that I just need to realize um I didn't choose this life you know but what I do know is is that it's it's the life I have but I don't have to die from this disease you know um and just the next page there you know the the high-powered sedative you know um so he could go to work and how I got to work was by stopping off at the garages you know, stop off at the garages, grab a coffee, grab those foods just to numb, just to give me ease and comfort, you know, so that I could get through the day. Um, you know, uh, 
the morphine and the sedative for me were antidepressants, you know, anxiety medication, anything that could just give me that little bit, take the edge off. You know, at that time, I didn't know that I had this disease. Um, and we all have a story. You know, some people function very well in life. Some people go to work, have homes, you know, but the thing is, is that um, the description it says here, um, our behaviours pattern. Why does he behave like this? Of other experiences, I've shown him that one drink means another, another debacle with all attendance, sufferance, humiliation. Why is it he takes that? Why is it I take that force bite? I take that force bite because I'm looking for ease and comfort. I take that force bite because I think that I know what I'm doing this time. I know I only can have a small amount. I know that if I have too much, it's going to set up a craving. You know, so when I'm not in the solution, when I'm not in the solution, all of this, you know, this self, this self knowledge will be what I think will keep me well. Why can't I stay in the water wagon? You know, why can't we eat healthy? Why can't we stay in the diets? Why can't we just do a paying way and not have to come to Zoom meetings and read through the book responses? Why, why is it? You know, it's because we are not like normal eaters. So the common sense and the willpower that we have in other parts, and as already said, you know, I go to work, you know, I could turn up to college. Um, but when I was in college and we went down for a coffee break, everybody else was looking to sit around and talk about when they were doing their assignments. And I was just wondering what I was going to get for my lunch, you know, because I have that obsession, that obsession of will I be, will I be, will I be full enough? Will they give me enough? You know, this is the student canteen. Will I go out to the shop and get something? Will I bring something in my bag for later on in the day to get me through the day? We can't answer the riddle, you know, and it is a riddle, you know, it's, it is that thing of like, you know, somebody said to me, try and explain compulsive overeating to a blind man is trying to explain the colour red to somebody that's blind, you know. We just can't, you know. But we can explain it and we can understand it when we have this disease ourselves. So we, we have that, you know, can't drink like other men, you know, because I have that when I take the force bite, I set up the craving and I have that bodily mental sense, you know, it's impossible for me to stop. Um, the experience of the alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. And I think I probably went, went on too much um, onto the next page. Um, but just to go back there, you know, this by no means is the comprehension picture, you know, and it's not because I got up to 400 pounds that that's everybody's story. You know, everybody's manifestation is, um, it can be under eating, it can be bulimia, it can be, you know, laxatives, you know, I've tried them all. The only thing I never tried was over-exercising. Um, and that's because my body weight was never at a, was never at a weight that I could over-exercise. <laughs> um, and I always love that when people say, you know, um, it's this, it's different disease, but it's the same solution. And I'm glad this chapter is called There Is A Solution because I will try and come up with the, the, the hardest solution because that's what my disease does. It likes to catastrophize everything and it likes to make everything really hard. Um, but this book shows me, you know, simple but not easy. You know, what, what I take from that is that it's simple life. I have to keep my life very simple. You know, I have to pray and meditate. I have to walk this steps. I have to understand, you know, exactly um, what my disease is. And when I understand what the disease is, I have a better chance 
um, have a better chance of walking it one day at a time. Um, so I don't know what time it is, but I kind of think I've run out of what I need to say. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Audrey. It was about right time. You were you were right there. So um, thank you. That was that was uh, had a lot of depth and weight and honesty. So uh, for those who came late, we Karen, read. Hold a, minute, Karen, hold a minute, Ian. Can you stop the recording?